Front office, please hold. It's me, the champ. Welcome back to another episode of Front Office. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? <laughs> I, that wasn't too bad. I thought you were gonna go far with it, though. I thought you'd start saying the, the old pit lick to pronger. Dude, honestly, it hurts my I throat. Pardon. <laughs> it hurts my throat when I say that. But um, anyways, welcome back everybody to, uh, to another episode of Front Office. That was a little throwback to uh, to an episode called The Champ, uh, a little show that used to come on the radio every now and again. So um, anyways, thank you again for, uh, for joining us this week. Um, again, as always, go out, support local, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. So on Instagram at uh, Front Office Podcast and on Twitter at Real FO Podcast little housekeeping and a little congratulatory note to send out to our, our pals at Dine Sports as they were just nominated and won the Faces Magazine Award for Best Sports Podcast. Um, and also, again, congratulations to them for their new launch of their podcast network, which is yeah, which can be found at dinespressbox.com. So, Kev, we are partnered with an official source here at Dine Sports Network, buddy. I just can't believe we're doing more than one episode of this podcast. <laughs> the fact that we haven't been canceled yet is amazing to me. So, um, you know what? It's uh, it's a testament to how intelligent all three of us are, and um, and really how good looking we we sound on the radio. So, together we are one brain. <laughs> that is something that I think all of our wives would agree on. <laughs> um so yeah obviously jet is uh jet is not here with us right now but he will be joining us later on in the show anyways yeah so kev let's just jump right into it here pal so i i mean i think anybody who's kind of followed sports over the last couple of days has you know seen a, a pretty big trade happen in the nfl so the los angeles rams and the detroit lions making a deal to swap quarterbacks so matthew stafford on his way over to the rams uh in return for jared goff Two first-round picks and a third-round pick. Kev, breakdown. Well, simply put, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's. I feel bad for the people of Michigan in general and Detroit especially because Matthew Stafford is probably the best thing they had in that city outside of Megatron and uh, since uh, Barry Sanders. He was, you know, uh, the face of the city, face of the franchise, the type of guy that uh, people in the city got behind and supported and throughout their foibles since he's been there. And I think they wasted his prime. <laughs> their what? Their foibles. Everyone knows what a foible is. It's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> if you take a look at, at his record, his wins and losses, you, you think about how badly his prime was wasted. And he was yeah. such a talented quarterback. I still think he's got tread left on those tires and, and he's going to a pretty good situation. And, uh, you know, to show that he does have some tread, this is an opportunity for him, obviously. Um, but I feel bad for the people in Detroit. They loved him. They, and they rallied behind his wife when she was sick. Um, I think in general, it, it was a loss for the fans of Detroit. But I'm sure, based on what we've talked about, you're going to chat about how it wasn't that big of a loss at all. 
I, I look at it from a couple of different ways. So one, the Rams are obviously going for broke here. They think that Matthew Stafford is the missing piece. And ultimately, this is tossing Jared Goff under the bus, saying that you're the reason why we haven't, one, won a Super Bowl, and two, haven't gotten further in the playoffs. So, you know, again, I made mention on another podcast that I, that I you know, hopped on to, to analyze the NFL playoffs. And, you know, I, I made comment to the fact that Jared Goff has been vastly overrated throughout his entire career. I mean, realistically, when you look at, he was a number one pick but he hasn't played like a number one pick. And, you know, he wasn't that sexy number one, like, Hey, this is our guy that we're going to, you know, turn the franchise around and, and make the face of, of our, uh, of our organization. If he played for any other school, he would never have been drafted first overall. I think. No, I, I mean, yeah, you got the Cal pedigree and, you know, you put up some good numbers in the pack 10 um, and, you know, sorry, pack 12. And, and ultimately I think being a West coast quarterback with them moving to, Los Angeles that was kind of the you know um the demographic they wanted to attract was hey we're get, bringing in a local guy you know he's a blonde surfer looking uh, surfer looking dude and he can come in and, and sling the rock but I, I mean you look at where the Rams are today they've got that brand new stadium that they just invested a ton of money into this past season they weren't able to bring any fans to the stadium to see this beautiful facility so I mean I'm looking at it on the surface and I'm really looking at well maybe the owner is starting to put pressure on that management group saying, well, you know, we got to recoup some, some interest in the, in the fan base coming back is obviously people are going to be hesitant to go back to games with COVID. So if we want to pack the stadium, we need to have an exciting product on the field. And what better way to do that than to trade for, you know, arguably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I mean, those guys don't grow on trees, but you know, you look at it from a Detroit perspective, I, th I think they made out pretty well here. They got a young quarterback. He's seven years younger than Stafford. He's got the first overall pick pedigree. He's a three-time 4,000-yard passer. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's actually made it further than Stafford's ever made it in the playoffs. And, you know, they also recouped two first-round picks and a third-round pick out of it. So it's hard to say that Detroit didn't do well here, considering that everybody knew that Stafford was gone. They already made the announcement that he, him and the organization were going to part ways. So, um, but yeah, you know, breaking it down a little bit more, it's, it's interesting when you look at this off season is going to be unlike any other, because obviously with the way that things have progressed, the salary cap is going to be stagnant. It's actually going to go down in a lot of cases. So when you look at a lot of these deals that were signed two, three, four years ago, this was on projections based on what the 2021 salary cap was going to be. Right. So you're looking at a lot of these, you know, inflated contracts that are in the third or fourth year, and it's not really looking all that great. So from the Rams perspective, you're looking at guys like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Robert Woods, Cooper cup, Andrew Whitworth. And now they bring in a Matthew Stafford. That's a ton of money that they have for seven players. Very small window to they're, be successful with that yes, group. Yes, and they're going to have a very difficult time filling out their 53-man roster. So, again, another theory here. If you don't have money to pay first-round picks, why don't we trade away first-round picks? We don't have to worry about paying the first-round picks. Yeah, good point. Right? So, I mean, you know, they don't have a first-round pick this year with the Jalen Ramsey trade. Now they don't have a first-round pick next year and the year after that. So, for three years, you're sacrificing your first-round picks. That's your future of the franchise. And you're banking on a guy like Matthew Stafford to take you to the promised land. So, I mean, you could, you could look at what Matthew Stafford brings and, you know, the guy's got a top, you know, top two arm talent in the NFL. I mean, you look at what he does, 
he does the same kind of stuff that Patrick Mahomes does with the no-look passes, the sidearm, the underneath throws, but because he plays in Detroit, no one really sees that. So That's right. there are a couple of different perspectives to look at. So, but again, you know, I keep saying I'm going to drill in a little bit more. And there's one thing that's been eating at me because LA went out and they made this big splashy move. They got their quarterback because they're Hollywood. This is what they're all about. There's another quarterback out there that I think everybody's looking at what's going to happen with. And that's Deshaun Watson. So we see what the price tag is for a top-notch quarterback in Matthew Stafford. What would you put the price tag at for Deshaun Watson now? I mean, you'd have to double it. Yeah, it has to be higher than Stafford. <laughs> you have to double it. I mean, everything that Deshaun brings to the table, he's eight years younger. The guy is a franchise quarterback. You can, there's no denying that. And, you know, you could put him in the same conversation as a Patrick Mahomes because he does bring a lot of those same elements to the table. So, yep. I'm looking at where Deshaun Watson could land. Houston's come out and said, we don't want to trade him. But, I mean, everybody's got a price. If Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded. Yep. So I've done, right. a little, I've done a little armchair GMing here, Kev, and I know I teased it a little bit yesterday. So I'm going to throw this out there and maybe get a pen ready because there's going to be a lot of moving parts here. So I have something that I think is happening behind the scenes right now because there's another team on the West Coast that they just see the Rams make this big move. They themselves just moved into a new stadium and they relocated to a new city. And the first year that they're there, they have no fans. So what better way for a team to get on the map than to make a blockbuster move and to really, you know, play like the town that uh, that embodies them encompasses. I'm talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, Kev. So okay. in my mind, I'm working through because, you know, obviously John Gruden hasn't been happy with Derek Carr's performance. He might come out and say, you know what, Derek's our guy. He plays well. He does this. There's a reason why you go and sign Marcus Mariota to the largest backup quarterback contract in the league last year because you don't trust the guy in front of them. Right. Derek Carr, very talented guy, probably top 20 quarterback ish. Maybe depends on the year, but he's not Deshaun Watson. So I think with the Raiders, they're looking at, you know what, if we can just make that move for our guy, one, we're going to sell a hell of a lot more tickets. We're going to get a lot more action in Vegas for people coming in for tourism. If they have a guy like a Deshaun Watson, and I think they realize that they've got a pretty good window here. They've got a lot of first-round capital that they've invested the last few years, so they don't really need a lot of those you know, young pieces going forward because they have a lot of it already. So I broke it down here, Kev, and you know, I'll explain it kind of team by team. So this involves Houston, Philadelphia, and Las Vegas. Okay. All right? And there's a fourth team thrown in, but after this. So it's a two-part trade. So two Houston. Houston will receive Jalen Hurts. Derek Carr, a 2021 first rounder on behalf of Las Vegas, a 2021 first rounder on behalf of Philadelphia, and a 2022 second rounder on behalf of the Raiders. Philadelphia, a 2022 first rounder from Las Vegas, a 2022 third rounder from Las Vegas, and a 2021 second rounder from Houston, along with Hunter Renfro and Marcus Mariota. Okay? Mm -hmm. Las Vegas gets Deshaun Watson and the middle linebacker from Houston, Zach Cunningham, who's been a top five tackler in the league. So they wanted to shore up their defense for the last two years. Here's your chance to do it. You're going all in. So you look at it from that perspective. 
Vegas gets their guy. They get the guy who could be the franchise face. You know, he'll, he can go, he can run Gruden's system. He's got some explosive weapons on offense and he plays in a city like Vegas. Who wouldn't want to go there, right? You shore up the defense with a stout middle linebacker who can really transform the identity of what they do on defense. For Philadelphia, the reason why they get in here is because obviously they've got a pretty good trade asset right now in Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz, I think the front office is committed to him being the quarterback. And realistically, his contract is an albatross. If they trade or cut him, they incur a huge dead cap penalty. And it's not even worth getting rid of him. So I think they're stuck with Carson Wentz. So people are all over Jalen Hurts right now, seeing what he was able to do. So I think that they maximize that, or they should. So they flip him and a first-round pick this year. They get back the first-round pick next year, which is a Vegas, you know the Las Vegas Raiders pick, which is probably going to you know wind up in, in a similar situation. They also get a third-rounder uh, next year as well to kind of you know incentivize that, and a second-rounder this year. So ultimately, they're just moving down probably about twenty picks. If that, because Houston's going to be Houston's second round pick. So it might be at the top of the second round. They also shore up the receiving core with a guy like Hunter Renfro. And they replace a Jalen Hurts with a Marcus Mariota. Okay. So you've Rudner got your- never let Renfro go. He loves him too much. You watch that hard knocks from two years ago. He's Dude. in love with Renfro. But you know why they get rid of him, Kev? What, Deshaun? Because they get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and the reason why the reason why I incorporate that is because in this situation they also get Zach Cunningham. So yeah, he, Gruden just loves him though. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta pay to get, man. You gotta pay to get. So again, Houston, they get two quarterbacks in this situation. They get Jalen Hurts and Derek Carr. Okay, to match salaries. They get two first rounders this year. You know, they get to rebuild on the fly and they get a second rounder next year from uh, from the Raiders. So, again, for them, it makes a lot of sense. They replace the quarterback that they're trading out, obviously not as high, but they get the upside quarterback with Jalen Hurts who could potentially take over that team and they could build around a young quarterback like that. Right. Now, here's where the second part of the trade comes in. <clears throat> There's another quarterback needy team out there that's, you know, ultimately looking for a quarterback. They tried to trade for Matthew Stafford, but he said he didn't want to go there. New England Patriots. Huh. So they might be in the hunt for a guy who can play their style of offense, which a guy like Derek Carr could fit. So I have Houston flipping Derek Carr to New England. Houston would receive a 2022 first round pick and a 2021 second round pick. They'd also receive Nikhil Harry. Oh, there he is. What's up, buddies? Sorry about that. Hey, Mr. Constant. I just, uh, I'm, I'm using the uniform that, you know, Kev was supposed to have two weeks ago when talking to a student, but whatever, it's cool. Yeah. Hey, I never did figure out what my bet was. What was the bet? You were supposed, and we'll get into that later. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, Kev, so 2022 first rounder, 2021 second rounder, and Nikhil Harry going over to Houston from uh, from the Texans for Derek Carr in a 2021 third round pick. So oh my get, gosh. So we got quarterbacks flipping places. We've got first round, second round, third round picks moving places. Does that sound realistic at all to you, Kevin? 
the two things that strike me as uh, deal breakers that make this impossible, and I already told you one, Hunter Renfro <laughs> and Gruden are attached. To the, that's his boy. That's his son. He is not letting Renfro out of his sight. Loves him. The second part that I think we're overlooking here, Philadelphia is going to Philadelphia. Even though Carson Wentz is an albatross, the media has taken it up and, uh, you know, chat forums and, and Philadelphia fan groups have all come out and said they want to see Carson Wentz gone for whatever reason. I mean, okay, you know what? He's not performing at the level that we all expected him to at this point in his career. Uh, you know, he was injured their Super Bowl year, but he did lead them all the way there and probably would have been MVP that year if he continued to play a full season. Um, I just can't see them giving up Hurts because it seems like the call in the locker room was to keep Hurts. And I think even though it's a horrible move, just in terms of the cap space and, and the money that it's going to cost them, I think Philadelphia is going to do what they do best, throw snowballs at Santa Claus <laughs> and trade Carson Wentz to someone like the New York Jets. And the Jets are going to use their second pick overall on like a safety. Or something goofy <laughs> that doesn't make sense to use at the second pick overall. That will be what the Jets do because you can always expect horrible franchises to make horrible decisions, regardless of who the boss is. I swear, there's a there's a smell in the air Tony in Dan's those offices that make their decisions for them. Hey yo, there's something in the wastewater. <laughs> waste management. He's in waste management. <laughs> So, so, so Jet, obviously you, you joined in a little bit late there, but you know I, I threw out a scenario based on the the Stafford Golf trade that you know I, mean, I was teasing you guys with it yesterday. So I essentially have Houston flipping Deshaun Watson in a three team deal to the Raiders along with Zach Cunningham, with uh, Jalen Hurts, Derek Carr, and a slew of picks coming back to Houston. Philadelphia being the middleman, kind of you know facilitating the trade. Also yeah. recouping some picks back and uh, landing a guy like Hunter Renfro and Marcus Mariota for their trouble. And then I have Houston moving Derek Carr to New England for more picks. So that's kind of my, I see the Rams making a big move because I think the owner's putting pressure on management to really try and fill the stadium by making that sexy quarterback trade. I can see the Raiders not wanting to be outdone here and trying to do whatever they can to land a guy like Deshaun Watson to say, we got the guy of the off season. So again, call my conspiracy theory here, but you know, I, I, I can see the teams involved crazy enough to do it. The one mm -hmm. that obviously is the linchpin to this is Houston. That's the one team I can see having cold feet here. Well, I was, I was watching um, undisputed and apparently from from what Shannon Shannon Sharp was saying, because of the Stafford golf trade, the bar has been set yep. in terms of Deshaun Watson, and apparently the bar is two firsts, two seconds, and two starters. Well, I I had, I had heard it's minimum three firsts, two seconds, and a quarterback coming back. Okay, so you can essentially cool. double what you got for Stafford. Yeah, for Deshaun. Yeah. But again, that's why I'm trying to throw this out here. I think any team that wants to make that move, they need to have a third team to come in to help facilitate it because that's a lot of capital to give up. So if you yeah. can make it work with another third team to you know incentivize them, it might work out pretty well. But again, like, 
I, I feel like I feel like you're making a lot of sense because like the writing's on the wall you know all I for some reason all I pictured was Deshaun Watson staying in Houston and them snapping the ball and him taking a knee on every play uh-huh. <laughs> and just saying I don't, I'm just here so I don't get fined he's literally you know gonna I mean? he's literally gonna do what uh what the the quarterback does in the longest yard He's just gonna get the get the ball and just hock it at his coach's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's exactly it, and and I think from what I understand too is like he, he's he's already done. Like his mind yeah. is already out mm. of Houston. So uh, I don't know, man. I know they're they're asking for a king's ransom, very similar to uh, what the Jets got for Jamal Adams. I would say, like just. Yeah, and and more, but the thing For is sure. that 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 deal that deal was that was too much, mm-hmm. but I think, man, because he's tw- he's only twenty five. I know, right? That's the thing. He's only twenty five, so you so you do have your franchise guy. Yeah, right. You know what though. If Bill O'Brien were still in Houston, he'd solve this for everyone. He would just cut the shot. <laughs> just he'd put him on waivers. Eat the cap. <laughs> he just, you know what, guys, we're gonna get rid of him. We're gonna go in a new direction. We're just gonna cut him. We're just we're, gonna we're, cut him. Hey, actually, you know it. what? It would probably be more like, hey guys, I really want a shawarma sandwich right now. What would I have to give up to get a shawarma sandwich? <laughs> I right would trade my soul for a donut. <laughs> You get me a shawarma palace plate with extra garlic, Habibi, and I will trade pretty much Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey for that. That would be my – and you know what? Andy Reid might do the same if he ever had a shawarma. If Andy Reid knew see, the some, benefits of a shawarma. But see, for some reason, as soon as you said – we started talking shawarma, then I was like, okay, maybe that means that, – that's just a sign that Deshaun's going to the Jets. You know what? They do make a good donair. <laughs> well, well, if that's the case, if that's the case, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the new franchise quarterback of the uh, Atlantic Schooners. <laughs> <laughs> they have the, the best donairs. But, but you know, but you know what? Game, they have the you know best donairs there. In, in all in all seriousness, Kyle, I I don't know how it gets done, but I could totally see Derek Carr being in New England. I totally can see that for sure. Deshaun Watson though needs to be, uh, you know what Vegas makes sense. You need you need a, a big market. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know how COVID Vegas is right now in terms uh, of they're still market. taking online because, bets in Vegas because TV wise. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, you you'll bring Deshaun Watson over here. He's gonna <laughs> run Spider Two Eye Banana, and he's gonna make sure that he's <laughs> Gruden will get it done, man. Gruden will get it. Done. Yeah, once he's yeah. done hugging and kissing Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, Anyways, that, that, well, you know what? Inst- would it have to be Hunter Hanfro, or would they perhaps give away someone who has potential, like a Brian Edwards? I mean, Philadelphia is full of Brian Edwards, though. And Philadelphia is probably going to take uh, Pitts, right, with their with their spot in the draft. So well, whatever quarterback have, is Goddard. in Philadelphia, I don't, I don't know Goddard. if they take Pitts, man. Pitts, they have Goddard. I think they end up taking uh, Pitts, and I think they have an aerial attack like no other team after that. Well, we'll Depends see. Depends who the quarterback is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They got, yeah, they got to, exactly. they got to fix their offensive line injuries first. So maybe they can, uh, they can finagle a move to get up and take Sewell. 
Yeah, well, I hope someone steps up and takes that uh, Div 3 offensive lineman from the Senior Bowl who absolutely destroyed <laughs> all of the top prospect that, that kid, That kid made some money. Oh, yeah. my God. You know, you know, you know what he reminds me of? Remember a few years ago uh, when Ali Marpet did the same thing? Yeah, and now he's one of the best guards in the league. That's what I'm no. saying. Like, it just it just reminded me of that. Like, you love the Senior Bowl. Yeah. But uh, anyways, that's a little conspiracy theory for everyone to chew on a little bit there. But uh, if it happens, Kyle, you said it here first. We witnessed it. Witness. Yeah. If Watson ends up in Vegas, then whoever's listening to this, you guys need to pick us up on a major network and we'll do conspiracy theories every week. Well, here's a question. Do you think that a trade gets done before the draft for Watson? I think I think you kind of have to because you want to recoup as much as many picks as possible. I mean, sure. you could you could do what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen and hang on to him, and then ultimately lose all draft capital that you could have received for him. You get a middle second round pick for a guy you just spent the ten overall pick on the year before. So, I think if you're again, this is assuming that it's a smart front office, which we you know, which we know it's not, but you know, you you have to make the best situation out of this. You know that he's gone, like you were saying, Jet. Hmm. Look at what the Lions just got for Stafford, knowing that he was gone, right? Mm-hmm. Teams, and I was just telling Kev, like, because it's going to be an offseason like any other, there's going to be some really big players that are either cut or traded. So a lot of these teams that are up against the cap, they got to make moves, and they're not going to be able to do it through free agency. So they got to make sure that they're, you know, getting their guy through a trade. So however they need to facilitate it, that's how they got to do it. So – yeah, we'll see, man. It'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of moving parts this offseason, especially at the quarterback position. So it'll be worth keeping an eye on for sure. But um, I won't watch it. I'm not really I know. a big fan no, of football. I, I, so. I know you're not. Yeah, you're more of a Bridgerton guy. Man, um, I always enjoyed Bridgerton. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. I wish I had won that bet. Would have yes. been so great to hear your Bridgerton accent. Oh, man. I wish that I had won that bet so that way you would live up to your end. Oh, I still am not sure what I was supposed to do. You haven't given me any guidance here. Did you – were you not there and present when we were making the bet? Like, I, I, I remember I, things from two weeks ago. Give your balls a tug. All right, I did. Now <laughs> what do I do? Fucking, fucking guy. Am I supposed to dress up like something? Yeah, our wives were supposed to dress you up. And Lindsay was supposed to facilitate that, but apparently she uh, she had mercy on you. Well, that's the problem. She's always trying to get me undressed. That's hey. Hey, oh, hey, oh. largely just so I could take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I'm back at work this week. Back at hey, work. Hey, well up. Great to be back. Great to Herbs be back, off. everybody. Um, to be kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough of that. As as we gonna go on. Uh, we got a big game coming up here on, on Sunday, guys. So just quickly, going to go oh, around the horn. Um, it's actually the World uh, Quidditch Championships. Nice. Ah, nice. Golden so, Snitch uh, is my favorite. <laughs> you got the uh, the house of uh, Vanderplug versus um, Chateau. <laughs> Ch- 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 it's Hufflepuff. Chateau de la Bale. And Gryffindor. <laughs> That's amazing. Um yeah, anyways, all, book, all, all joking aside, the Super Bowl is this Sunday, and I don't know about you guys. I'm actually – this is the most excited I've been for a Super Bowl in a long time. Both these teams are, are very, very good. They're very well coached. They've got a lot of talent on both sides, and I think the storylines of all the big-name players that are in this game kind of write itself. So 
Um, if there's going to be, you know, two teams playing in a, in a, you know, COVID season where you're not going to have as much fanfare of Super Bowl week and whatnot, I think these are the teams to really bring eyeballs to the, to the set. So um, I'll go around the horn and kind of get your, your pick quickly for, uh, for this weekend. So Jet, why don't we start with you? Uh, so I think, Quickly. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think that a couple of there's going to be a couple of X factors here. I think the fact that uh, Spagnolo being the DC for the Chiefs, I believe, uh, I could be wrong, but I believe so. Yep. So he has seen Brady and defeated Brady a few times. That he has. Uh, as a DC for the Giants. Yep. However, I think there will be a huge X factor of Eric Fisher not playing uh, for the Chiefs. I think for, that for those of you who haven't seen Mike Remmers play tackle, he is awful. But that's, that's what I'm saying. I think he's. I think there's going to be a lot of jailbreak and, screens, things well, like Todd, that. Todd Bowles is Todd Bowles is giddy right now, and they yeah. lost their center. Yeah, they lost their center too. COVID list, close contact, probably won't clear by game time. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, if that happens. I will put okay, Kev. You guys can quote <laughs> me right now, okay? If if the center, so it's Mitch Morse. Yeah, yeah. If the center doesn't no, 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 play, no, Mitch, Mitch Morse is in Buffalo. Okay, who's the center? I had it just a second ago. I can't remember his name. That's how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but think about it. You got their right guard from last year hasn't played all year because he's been on the front lines of COVID. The right tackle. They lose their starting left tackle. Mm-hmm. Right now they're going to lose their center. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and, and Tampa Bay have JPP on one side, Shaq Barrett on the other side, Damakung Su, Vita Vea came back two weeks ago, last week, or no, two weeks ago. Yep. And you have pff, arguably the best linebacker tandem with Levante David and, uh, and Devin White. And Winfield's going to be back. So, yeah. man. If 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 their center's out, because I was already Daniel Kilgore gone. Oh God! So if there's if if their center is out, I'm putting I'll put at least 125 on Tampa. And they lose Demarcus Robinson. You're such a degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, no, and, and Kev, you can hold me to this. If their center is out, I will put a, a, at least it's, 125 bucks on Tampa Bay. It's Kilgore and Demarcus Robinson. We are both on the COVID reserve list. See screenshots of the bet yet? Huh? We want to see screenshots of that bet. I only need Wall Street bets. One hundred percent. I will. I will. I will <laughs> take all of your GameStop stock and put it all on that game. No, I'm holding. I'm holding <laughs> on those stocks. They're going to the moon. Okay. With with that being said, and the fact that it is exceedingly difficult to go back to back. In terms of winning a championship, unless you're Drake, <laughs> back to back, I will. I will say, Tampa Bay wins the game. I will say, twenty, no, thirty-one, twenty-seven. Wow! All right. So, Kev, hopefully you're a little quicker than that. Yeah, I'll be much quicker. <laughs> Okay, given the fact that Jethro picked Tampa Bay, I want to change my pick because uh, it was going to be Tampa Bay, but now I feel I should go with KC um, just because Jethro picked Tampa Bay. Uh, 
but I'll say what every single sports dude and dudette have been saying all week. How can you possibly bet against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl? I mean, he's been to, this will be his 10th Super Bowl that he's played in. He's lost three. Am I right? You know, yeah. Philly to New York's. What, so what, what, what if I told you that Kansas City has just added Eli Manning to their practice roster? See, but that's the thing. <laughs> they didn't. And it's the only kryptonite for Tom Brady is Eli Manning. Um, I, no, I, I, I would go out on a limb and say, you know what? If they had uh, Uman Yora and Michael Strahan, then they might have a chance. But uh, no, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here. I can't go against him. Plus, I want to see Bruce Arians win as a head coach. Yeah. Um, I want to see yeah, Gronk. I want to see Gronk win again with Brady. Like, I, I I don't say – I can't say I dislike Brady, but he was never someone I cheered for. And I was not a New England fan necessarily. And you kind of get fed up with the same old characters. But Gronk being funny and being buddies with Brady gave him coolness he never had for me. Like, when you see Gronk and him doing the remake of the video they did from a few years ago – uh, you know, the bad boys for life video. Yeah. Like, you know what? Brady's the kid that has a cooler, older brother who brings him around to parties, right? And the cool older brother is Rob Gronkowski. So that in and of itself is reason for me to root for Tampa Bay. And I'm not even rooting. I really just want to see a close, hard-fought game with lots yeah. of sportsmanship. Lots, infinite amount of sportsmanship. Can, can <laughs> Rob Gronkowski still thinks he's in the AFC. You saw that video the other day. We just won the AFC, NFC. Sorry, NFC. Um, oh, he's great. So the only thing I'm going to say, I'm going to go against you guys. And Carlton Davis is still having nightmares of having to cover Tyreek Hill from earlier this season. The man put up 200 yards and three touchdowns in a quarter. In a quarter. Yeah. And. Kansas City has only gotten better since that point. And you try covering that track team that they have out there with that monster in the middle with Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball out as quick as he's ever gotten it out before, as per your uh, your constantly improving segment last week, Jet, with him throwing short passes because of his toe. I cannot see Tampa Bay being able to keep up with how Amped, and especially because it's going to be in warm weather too. Kansas City in warm weather, mm-mm. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want a game plan against that, no matter how good my defense is. So, I, I'm going to say Tampa Bay puts up a good fight. I would love to see Bruce Arians win because I love, I, I love the way that he coaches. I love his coaching staff, but I got to go with Kansas City and McDonald's around the Tampa area unite as Andy Reid will go in a cheeseburger frenzy after they win back-to-back Super Bowls. Okay, hold on. Who are our Super Bowl MVPs then? Well, I, I mean, I think I made it perfectly clear. I think Tyreek Hill is going to be the Super Bowl MVP because he's going to go off. But they give it to Mahomes even though he doesn't deserve it again? <laughs> Just like last year, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to have to go to either. I'm going to say Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey is going to get it for Kansas City. Okay. Hmm. What about you, Kev? What do you think? <sighs> I can't see it being a receiver on Tampa Bay. I think if it's a receiver is in the question. You know who it's going to. It's Tom Brady. Brady. (laughs) Antonio Brown. But 
Allie I Murphy. could see <laughs> it. I could see it. Maybe if Mike Evans goes off, but if a receiver has a great day, it's Tom Brady's uh, to win. And they don't have a running back that's going to win MVP. Like unless Leonard Fournette um, breaks the Super Bowl rushing record, they might consider not giving it to Tom Brady who threw six interceptions. <laughs> but there's there's no way they don't give this guy another thing in his legacy. Yeah. If they win, it's going to Tom Brady. You know what is, and you know Roger Goodell is going to be drunk off of his ass, going to come down with his rosy cheeks and Super Bowl. I want to congratulate the Tom Brady's. <laughs> And Cadillac where's, for giving us an escalate. Where's Robert Kraft? I mean, <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I, I, right. I don't, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's gonna be like you guys said. It's gonna be an interesting Super Bowl. I'm, I'm gonna go. Uh, hmm. I think Travis Kelsey. I just don't in a loss. Feel like that's anyone vulnerable. Right. Oh shit, that's true. I picked him to lose. Damn it. Uh, okay. In that case, I will yeah, go. That's a good game. I will go. I will go. Hey, I will go. Uh, hmm. Go JP. Yeah, there's no, there's no you, one else but you, Tom. You got to go with a defensive lineman, man. Do it. Pick a D lineman. Sue. Pick Sue. Because he's Haitian, I will go JPP. <laughs> there you go. For Super Bowl MVP and because he used to play for the Giants. That a boy. I say he's good. He's going to, you know what? He's going to be. A five-time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Absolutely a five-time Super Bowl champion. For anyone who can't, Kevin is holding up three oh, fingers. My God. You are, are going to be fireworks galore man. when he wins Super Bowl MVP, Jet. <laughs> oh, my God. That was Because in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, I got to make a joke about his three fingers and you beat me to it, you fucker. <laughs> It's the best thing I could think of all day. That's oh, it that for was, me, that, folks. That, I'm that done. Was, oh that was good, god. man. That was good. Oh my god. So, uh, so how, on that. How, so on. How, is, before I say that, how angry do you think the NFL would be if Antonio Brown went off in the Super Bowl? I mean, not as angry as as, as Las Vegas would. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> that, Mike, oh, Mike, Mike Mayock would literally be just drinking by himself in his basement. I mean, the only thing that could hurt him is if he gets cold feet, right? Uh, <laughs> you're on fire. You're today. on fire. My good. Tip serious. your waitresses. Oh, call Fox Sports. Let them know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, since you're on fire right now, Kev, we'll, we'll, we'll go over to the segment that we all have grown to know and love. We're going to go with another installment of Grinding Beans. Grinding Beans. What's grinding your beans today, Kev? Let me tell you what's grinding my beans, Kyle. Today, February 1st, it's the start of Black History Month, which, as a teacher, I pay uh, special attention to. There is a huge movement in education, and it's I think it's an incredible thing that more people are focused on this year than any year that I've been as a teacher. Okay, Here's my problem. I'm watching the NFL Network. They're spending most of today talking about Black History Month, doing their best to honor um, Black histories, not only in the NFL, but in the sporting world in general. Um, but yet, Roger Goodell is still the commissioner of the NFL. I want to put this into as clear a perspective as I can. Here's a guy who has overseen 
travesty after travesty and absolutely fumbled the ball. I, I would say it's worse than fumbling the ball. He fumbled the ball and then deflated it. He is the <laughs> worst commissioner, yet has overseen exponential growth in this league. So I think that's the only reason they keep him around. But this is the guy that absolutely dropped the ball uh, when Colin Kaepernick and other players take a knee to uh, protest racial injustice in the U.S. Okay? He dropped the ball. He had an opportunity back then to stand up and make a statement and show you know, that he is going to back the majority of the players that play in his league and generate that revenue, yet he didn't. In fact, he doubled down and supported Donald Trump, who, as of recently, started uh, um, an act of sedition in their own uh, government when he told supporters of his to storm the Capitol building. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Roger Goodell is probably the worst person to be the head of your league when you are taking the time to celebrate Black history. Now, the league has made strides, right? Kyle pointed out to me earlier in our conversation before the show uh, for uh, equity in hiring practices. There are equity in hiring practices to highlight areas that have not traditionally seen people of color being hired. But you got, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look at, at from a gender perspective, not even uh, color. You have a, a Super Bowl where there's going to be, uh, for the first time ever, a referee that is a woman. You have coaches on both teams that are women. Uh, you see all this diversity going on, but I can't help to feel that the fact that he is still in charge shows that a lot of that diversity and a lot of that inclusion is purely from a corporate standpoint. And they're doing their best to capitalize on the clout that comes with it and the hashtags that comes with it. If the NFL was really all about change and inclusion, um, you would have been able to say the name Alton Sterling or George Floyd back uh, when it first happened, before it took protests and movements. You would have been able to put names of people on the back of your helmet um, four or five years ago instead of telling players to take a knee for the anthem in the locker room. So for me, what really grinds my beans is that Roger Goodell is going to stand back and look like a hero for the next month because he's going to be using the billions of dollars that come in for the NFL to promote Black history when, in fact, he's one of the enemies of it. That is what's grinding my beans this week. I don't think there's anything that needs to be added. Well, uh, well said. As a black man, I concur. All right. So, so, so on a lighter note, we're going to move into uh, into our topic of the week. And guys, I think this is going to be a really fun one. I, I mean, this is going to bring all of us back a little bit to our childhood. It's something that you know we, I know we've all talked about, but this is something that you don't really hear a lot of these sports podcasts really diving into and that's you know analyzing sports movies and the realism that goes with it and kind of explaining what would actually happen instead of what happens in these you know over exaggerated you know plot lines that obviously are there to engage an audience so the first movie that we're going to dive in here in our first installment of front office film critics is the mighty ducks guys so Disney classic. This is something that I think all of us watched when we were children. I think everybody knows what the Mighty Ducks is about. And again, when you think about it, it just screams nostalgia. I know that I always smile every time I see the logo on. I've watched it a couple of times with my girls. You know, 
But that being said, as nostalgic as it is, a lot of these movies don't really hold up with with everything that you know kind of goes with uh, goes with the actual sporting events that that happen in the movie. So I really want to get your takes on the Mighty Ducks, and we'll get a discussion going here and kind of analyze and you know kind of break it down piece by piece to really explain what would actually happen in the Mighty Ducks. So the first point I'm going to bring out. Where is this movie based out of, guys? Minnesota. It's based out of Minnesota. Do you hear one hint of a Minnesotan accent in this movie whatsoever? Yes, you do. <laughs> With that guy Hans, the skate surfer guy. <laughs> Which is the most... Out of the world character to have in yeah. a movie, by the so, way. So, so let me let me just you know kind of change the way that you view it. Watch the same movie, but imagine them all with a goofy Minnesotan accent. Okay, so <laughs> you're hearing a lot of these things happen, and it's like, oh yeah, Charlie. You you know, if it was only a quarter of an inch to the left, we would have gone over to the to the you know to the championship. Well, if it was a quarter inch to the right, you would have missed all together. Holy smoke, I never thought of it that way. Can you imagine those you know, really critical scenes that are really trying to like tug on your heartstrings with that goofy Minnesota accent and how much it would just change the complexity of that movie altogether? To be honest, it would be a much better movie. I know. It would be fantastic. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, so like, that was just the one thing that that I wanted to that I wanted to bring out, you know, first and foremost. So, you know, maybe you guys can just kind of go, you know, note by note as to one thing that bothered you. We'll just kind of circle the wagon here. Bruh, how old is Fulton Reed? <laughs> like, like seriously, how old is that kid? Yeah. First of all, I, I thought he was homeless. Then then I was like, wait a minute. Why he like, I'm sorry, he's like Nelson Muntz or something. Like, it doesn't make any sense just how big he is compared to everyone else. Just his whole demeanor, his whole vibe looks like he just got out of juvie and he's playing hockey with these kids. It doesn't make any sense. None. None. I love him as a character. That shot is amazing, but it never made any sense to me. But, but... I, I just thought like he was like the Ilian Gonzalez of the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Lillian Gonzalez? You mean the kid who played baseball? Yeah. No, Danny Almonte. Oh, my bad. Lillian Gonzalez Gonzalez is the Cuban kid. He's a kid from Cuba (laughs) who came over in a life raft and was hiding in a closet and the FBI took him away from his parents. Listen, potato burrito, same thing. No, very different, Jed. In fact, you can't get any more different from what you just said. So a character from the Sandlot, I think you were trying to refer to, or what have you? No, no, no. A minor league, kid. minor league baseball player that they that falsified his uh, birth certificate to play in the yeah. Little League World Series. Yeah, yeah, but you now, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The Sandlot player, and then you're going to compare him to a mid '90s pop culture reference from a real life refugee who had sent back home to Cuba. And there's just images of him screaming and crying. <laughs> so relatable, Jethro. So relatable. 
Oh, oh man, yo, it's Black Start, so, get a so the starting defenseman. <laughs> it's true, you win. The starting defenseman for the Mighty Ducks is a Cuban refugee. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, Jet, I, I I agree with you, man. I mean, when he's going out and recruiting all these different players to come in and play on his team, they don't check birth certificates. <laughs> they go and get this like six foot five kid to come and play with a bunch of twelve year olds. And it's like, oh, that that's Fulton. You know, he got a football scholarship. And it's like, oh, if he's 12 years old, he can't have a football scholarship. <laughs> right? So, exactly. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's the whole practice of him going out and recruiting players is, is ridiculous in itself. But, yeah, the whole Fulton Reed angle is, is kind of weird. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You say, like, he's got a shot. But I mean, playing hockey growing up, you can't hit the fucking net more than one out of five times. You shouldn't be able to play hockey. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's just ripping clappers from the middle of the you know, middle of the rink, and he can literally he shatters glass. He's hitting, you know, the the ceiling. He's you know knocking people's popcorn out of their hands. And then oh, he might hit the net one time, but then when it comes time for him to actually make a shot, it's like oh, I've got pinpoint accuracy. I'm gonna go you know top shelf glove side and you know put it right through the twine. It, it, it I don't know. The whole full green angle upsets me. As a former hockey player. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm going to jump in here and point out something that, I mean, I think everyone probably thinks of when they see this movie. What judge thinks it's a good idea as a restorative justice sentence to take someone who's just been convicted of driving while under the influence to now be in charge of a group of inner city youth <laughs> that have no adult uh, male role models in their life? So we're going to take this criminal who's just been convicted <laughs> and he's now going to be the sole adult responsible for the safety and lives of a group of kids that are already marginalized and have not enough money for hockey uniforms. Not realistic in the least, but at the same time, bold, very brave kudos to that judge. And we all know that judge to this day to be judge judy shineland i'm pretty certain <laughs> that's who she ended up being oh my god so yeah like the guy wins the case you know just and he's driving in the middle of winter so already that's you know that's a problem because we all know driving in canada driving in the winter time is a hazard he's driving a corvette which probably doesn't have very good snow tires on it and he's crushing pints as he's driving. So this guy is an absolute hazard for anyone on the road. And now you're right, Kev. Like, he's being put in charge of 12-year-old children who, again, have no role models. So it's like, yeah, you know what? Slap on the wrist for you. You're a lawyer. You know, we'll, we'll make sure that you go out and, you know, serve your time and serve your community well. But, hey. The guy hadn't played hockey since he was 12 years old. He hates it. So what better way to stick it to the man than to make him go out and coach something that he hates. But then turned out loving again. Can we also talk about the coach of the Hawks? <laughs> oh, oh you, mean, you, mean, you mean Texas Pete? Yeah, just an absolute a-hole, right? Can we, can we be up front here? Here's a, hey, you were one of the best players I've ever coached. But I'm going to be an absolute jerk to you about that time when you were eight and missed on a penalty shot, like anyone can do. That didn't even lose them the game. They lost in overtime. Right. Exactly. 
But, but like, you weren't even a has-been. You were a never-was. Even though he admits that he was his best player back then. And, and even though you're still coaching fucking peewee hockey and you're 70 years old, like... Oh, you, he's man. never moved up. <laughs> Just constantly been there trying to get banners for the for the squad for the hawks who was who was worse that coach or but or bud kilmer well i I gotta say he's worse because one he's a texan who's coaching youth hockey in minnesota (laughs) that's true and you know obviously the hockey hotbed that is texas you know this guy's gonna now you missed your shot near gordon they got fucking buddy garrity from friday night lights coaching these kids (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome that uh, that Bud Kilmer had a statue for himself. So, what well, way better coach? Hey, listen, we'll analyze varsity blues when it's the varsity blues episode. We're, we're focusing. Sorry, 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 sorry. Focusing on like Coach Riley, but uh, yeah, and I mean, he's whacking players over the head with sticks, trying to get them motivated. Like this guy's an absolute loose cannon. Think about what he was doing to Adam Banks. All I'm saying, he was willing to sacrifice that kid's career. Banksy. Uh, can we also talk about the head coach dating uh, his captain's mom? Well, like, is Charlie actually the captain? I mean, as I honestly, I think that's a pity throw because <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I've been stuffing your 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 mom there, so I can't really I can't start you. You're a better coach than you're a player, even though you're nine. Um, so <laughs> I'm just going to make you captain here. Also, uh, don't wait up. Going out with your mom tonight. So my take on this, this is the exact thing you should be fearful of when you're the judge who makes a decision to take a hotshot playboy lawyer who was just found guilty of DUI and tell him he's now in charge of a bunch of inner city youth that are marginalized and really don't have any outlets in life. You know that he's going to find the one good-looking mom and go after her, and he does this. Is she good-looking, though? No, well, here's the thing. It's not, it's not whether or not she's uh, a Victoria's Secret model. He's going by the, the pool or the sample that he has to uh, be a predator for. And in this case, she is the best looking of all the Minnesota moms that are at that uh, hockey team's games. Wow. <laughs> all I'm saying. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. Some would say she was the North Star. Oh, you can show yourself out. Get the fuck out. That is enough of that. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But, yeah. Here's, again, another thing that that I look at. Playing hockey growing up and seeing the kind of, you know, team that that is ice on uh, for District 5. The one, it's a bunch of kids who, one, can't skate. They're falling down all over the place. They're using plastic sticks. <laughs> Two, the equipment that these children have is so outlandish. One of them's wearing a freaking football helmet with the single bar. One of them is wearing... Um, I don't even know what you would call it, like the inner lining of like a rugby. Like I don't even know what it is. Like, like it doesn't protect anything. Like that kid falls on his head, he's dead. <laughs> One kid's wearing a bike helmet. 
oh yeah, just throw on the old plastic bike helmet there and go out for a rip on the ice. And then I don't know if you guys noticed one of the centers. He's got a pair of skates that look like they were like from Maurice Richard himself. <laughs> like the leather, the, the leather boot with the blade like sewn onto the bottom. And not only that, the goalie, okay, Goldberg, oh, the lovable oh Goldberg. God. Oh my god. They put that poor kid in net and he's got newspapers for pads. <laughs> How are they allowed to play in a sanctioned league? And this kid has pucks fired at him with newspapers. That's amazing. Like they don't even give him phone books. They give him if your neck guard isn't certified CAA or whatever it is, you can't play hockey anywhere. This man is using shredded pulp wood as a protector for his shins, where people will shoot vulcanized rubber at it. Oh, and like. Like they don't like the scene where he first comes in, into contact with the team and he's looking at all them skate. I'm watching that, and it's like as a kid, you think nothing of it. But like these kids are 12 years old. The rest of these kids in this league, they're wearing full equipment, they've got sticks, they've got helmets. Like these kids are ready to go. They're all wearing visors and face shields. These kids, all their faces are exposed. They've not like I, I have so many issues with that. It's incredible. And it takes a guy to come in to coach the team to actually go and get them equipment for them to wear equipment. You know, and, and you hear, you know, the parents say, is this what I gave up my overtime pay for? Like, dude, where do you work at? Fucking McDonald's? You can't afford to buy your kids used equipment? Like, you got your kid wearing a bike helmet, the other one's wearing, you know, God knows what, and you're throwing them out there. It's like, here you go, kids. Here's a concussion. Here's a broken shin. Here's a dislocated <laughs> shoulder. Have fun. If only a, an, a, you know, an awesome, well-intentioned, old German immigrant skate sharpener could show up and bring these kids the equipment they need. So, and so, so here's the other thing. Why is Hans so secretive that it, he lives in the States, it's the early 90s, he's an old man, and he's a very secretive man. He lives alone in a hockey shack. Sharpen skates a very incognito job. So you're saying he was likely a high-ranking SS officer who's been living a double life in Minnesota, servicing the youth of that city. I'm not saying sharpening. I'm not saying anything, but all I'm saying is there seems to be a lot of things that fall the way of Gordon Bombay, you know, in Gordon Bombay's favor because he's friends with Hans. Just saying. And we all know Bombay <laughs> is a Bavarian name. Just throw that out there too sure (laughs) (laughs) what you've never been to bavaria there's lots of bombays jeez like smith over there and like you know here's another thing too you know they they go to this game for the minnesota they were called the minnesota stars at the time and as they're going onto the ice, two players from you know from the Minnesota professional hockey team, which are Mike Medano and Basil McCray, who, who are real players, they're walking off, and oh, I recognize this guy who I haven't seen in third, you know, twenty five years. You're Gordon Bombay. Hey, this guy used to rule in Pee Wee. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing, and and again, and again, he says. You know, give me a call sometime. I'll get you a tryout. 
The guy hasn't skated in 25 years since his peewee season. And oh yeah, no problem. He'll bypass all of the junior hockey players, all the AHL hockey players. I'll get you a tryout for the big club. Don't worry. Uh, I forgot about that part. It's so true. Like, holy shit, man. Like, <laughs> and, and, you, and you wonder where hockey parents get this sense of entitlement that their kid's going to go pro from. It's fucking, <laughs> watching the fucking Mighty Ducks. Uh, sure, sure, son, you can play house league hockey in Minnesota and you'll go to the pros without playing for 20 years for sure. He's basically the Uncle Rico of, of Minnesota hockey. Yeah. And like people are taking that into consideration. The guy hasn't skated. He he says that at the start of the movie. I haven't worn skates in 20 years. Because he has a knee problem. And then doesn't in the second one, doesn't the Icelandic hockey coach <laughs> slash him across the oh, knee and ruin Kev, his career? Kev, don't ruin number two. We're gonna do that one down the line. Uh, I cannot wait. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's two sequels to this movie, which is gonna set up for a very, very good, you know, segment for us. But you know, all these things aside. <sighs> the team only wins one game <laughs> and they make the playoffs. <laughs> it's a very watered down team. It's like, but again, I go back to the Hans comment. He's like, oh, the Sharks have the measles and, and this team and this team lost all their players. Like, oh, I wonder where they lost all their players from, Hans. Are they underneath the ice somewhere? Are they, like, like, wow. <laughs> Gordon, how's your brought first? oh <laughs> uh, and the best is it was almost like they went with pennsylvania dutch for haunts character but it just comes off as high-ranking ss officer right like we're all on the same page but the nefarious sounding german accent from 1943 i think he's actually meant to be norwegian if i'm not mistaken because he says he's scandinavian but man with a name like hans you cannot tell me that you're that you're not german but of all the Scandinavian countries, why would they pick like Norway? Like Norway, does it ever have a team in the International Ice Hockey Federation competition? Like in the World Juniors, I've never heard of Team Norway playing. Yeah, Norway's got a team, dude. Every everywhere plays hockey now. No, do they have a Do sure. they have a good team? Yeah, I mean they're they're decent. They compete in the international level. So, I, I mean, feel like Norway does not have a hockey team that competes in the Olympics regularly. I will, dude, I will tell you right now, I will get a group of Norwegian hockey players to come over here and we'll put our skates on and they will literally beat us 400 to nothing. I'm not saying they don't have a few good hockey players in Norway. I'm just going to say on the grand scheme of things, there are other Scandinavian countries they could have used there because Norway doesn't seem like True. it's a good hockey country. Great I mean, at uh, skiing and shooting things, right? Like I think that's it's pretty much what they're known for. Let's go skiing in the uh, forest and biathlon, shoot target yeah. midway through. Well, have you, have you guys ever seen the Robin Williams skit where he, he calls it Norwegian drive-by? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's so good, but... God rest his soul. Yeah. But, but I mean, like we're looking at all these things and, like, obviously, like, we're having a lot of fun with this, guys. And, you know, the Mighty Ducks, we're not saying anything about it. Like, it's still nostalgic. I'm still going to watch it. I still love it. But there's just so many, you know, parts of this movie that just don't make any sense. So I'm just going to break down how it would actually go in a real-life scenario, okay? So, Kev, you hit the nail on the head when you said the guy got a light sentence, right? Yeah. You're caught driving drunk in the middle of winter with open beer containers in the vehicle. Like, 
I don't care who you are, you're going to be on house arrest for sure. So minimum house arrest. So again, Gordon Bombay is not even a factor in this whole thing. He'd probably lose his job. Mm-hmm. He'd become a shut-in, and Gordon Bombay would be a distant memory in the Mighty Duck realm. Right. So obviously, we need someone to coach. Well, we find out when they go see the team initially that you know their last head coach hurt his arm, which turned out to be a heart attack. So they are Son's coach. So realistically, they don't have anybody to oversee their development. So I would probably say the team would fold due to the fact that they don't have a coach and they don't have proper equipment or sanctioning by the league. Because again, you cannot feel the team that has no equipment. I'm sorry, you can't do it. So the District 5 team would dissolve. And now that district would get taken over by the bitter rival, the Hawks. So the Hawks now are be able to draw from District 5. So they get a couple more good players here and there. And they become even stronger. The Hawks dynasty continues. They win 400 more championships and Coach Riley from Texas rides off into the sunset and gets a statue of himself built outside the Minnesota State Arena. But, you know, the one thing I will say is the one kid who just drives me banana sandwich and is cruising for a bruising in that movie, Averman. Man, do I dislike that kid. Just want to punch him in his face. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I get it's a character but everything that comes out of his mouth, I'm sitting there just clenching my teeth like, oh my God, I wish you were this removed from this movie. Because I love it so much and I got to sit through this idiot just talking about nonsense for an hour and a half. It really like, is a good movie know? despite all the flaws. It is. No, it's fantastic. You're, you're all, Averman is that kid that you're hoping, oh, could, could there be a tragic death? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I was kind of hoping it'd be bad news bears and he'd get hit by the Norwegian <laughs> drive-by and then we could just move on from Abraham, but it didn't happen. And, and eight year old me, when I first saw it was very disappointed. When he, when he drives on the ice with the, <laughs> with the limo and she's like, it's one crack. It's all I think it's one crack. Well, you know <laughs> what? Drive on the ice, one crack and let Abraham fall on the ice. <laughs> and like, it can't be that deep of a, of a pond, right? Like, what's the worst he's going to fall in? Up to his knees with his skates on? Like, give me a break here, man. The reason why the kids on your team don't like you. Trust me. Trust me. I've been around ice my whole life. Well, you've already said that you haven't skated in 20 years, but you've been around ice your whole life. I know when it's safe to drive a giant limousine onto an open, you know, open surface. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so again, that's our critique of the Mighty Ducks, guys. Obviously, again, we're just having fun with it. It's a movie that we all love, and I'll definitely watch with my kids, you know, going forward. And it'll always bring back a sense of nostalgia for me. But again, we got to put these movies in their place because, again, you look at everything that happens in them, and there's no way that this would actually go down. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed that. I know we had fun. So, you know, seeing as how Jethro joined us a little bit late, we're going to go into his segment of constantly improving. And uh, so, Jet, tell us what's on your mind in regards, you know, to the world of rehab and injury prevention. Uh, I quickly caught a a glimpse of um, one of the players in the NBA that I can't stand, um, Marcus Smart uh, (laughs) of the Boston Celtics. But I did just see that 
uh, there was a headline that said uh, he has a calf tear um, and he's expected to be out a couple of weeks. Now, uh, a lot of people would see calf tear in a headline and think, oh my God, it's, it's the end of the world. Well, if you strain a muscle, <laughs> even if it's very, very light, um, it's, it's, still, it's technically still a tear. It's a micro tear, technically. But it's not serious like to the effect of what we talked about last week with Eric Fisher tearing his Achilles. Um, something like a calf will recover pretty quickly uh, because uh, it is, um, you know, blood rich in comparison to a tendon or a ligament. And the thing is, basketball players are more susceptible, excuse me, to um, these types of strains or tears because i yeah i totally just burped just uh, burp. because because um just press the burp button on your mic <laughs> because um, constantly improving my ass <laughs> wow because they're constantly running and jumping so <clears> there's <throat> always that inherent tightness uh in their uh in their calf yep. so it doesn't take very much like if they load up on that leg to jump there's always, they're always susceptible to getting a bit of a strain. So the biggest thing I, I, especially with basketball players is they, they need to stay mobile and need to stay flexible because I will say this in my experiences, basketball players are some of the worst movers of any athlete out there. I don't know if it's because they're tall and potentially gangly. I don't know what it is but they do not move well in terms of flexibility. And it, like, and that's one of the things when you watch a basketball player, flexibility is not a, a, a characteristic that is often associated with basketball players. You, I know if we watch, you know, slam dunk contests with like Vince Carter and stuff like that, like those guys, you'll see a lot of mo movement and mobility. And that's why Vince was in the league for what, 20 years. So <laughs> So there you go. So that's so that says a lot there. But a lot of these other players, when they're stiff and not moving, these little things like ankle sprains and calf strains and so on and so forth, you will see a, a lot of that. But like I said, in terms of calf strains, to to minimize calf strains, I would focus on, you know, strengthening the calf, yes, but really working on flexibility and overall mobility. And overall mobility is basically being able to use your entire range of motion actively and being strong throughout that entire range of motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's funny how you look at the different injuries that you've kind of covered the first three weeks. You talk about, you know, a toe, you talk about an Achilles, you talk about a calf. So it seems like you're kind of progressing your way up, you know, up, up the body. So, I mean, and so, so next week we're going to be talking about a knee and then we'll talk about hamstrings and then, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you when you look at the grand scheme of things, when it comes to basketball, I think that there's such a repetitive nature and a lot of things that they're asked to do. Um, you know, they become innately stiff which again, is no fault of their own because a lot of these players are, you know, just groomed and, and taught to do that. But you look at guys like you're talking about Vince Carter and LeBron James and, you know, guys that are playing longer and longer now, 
I think that you see their training done a little bit differently where they're working on, you know, the finer points of movement, right? And they're focusing on flexibility and things like yoga to increase, you know, um, their longevity in the league. So um, I, I 100% agree. I think that anyone who's looking at doing any type of sport, whether it be, you know, football, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, what, what have you, you need to incorporate some type of, you know, flexibility and movement training into what you're doing right now, because that's going to prevent a lot of these types of injuries. And, you know, a guy like Jethro will really get you on the right path in, in that regard and, and kind of, you know, put you uh, in a better position to stay healthy. So um, that all being said, guys, uh, you know, we're getting pretty late here, but, uh, you know, very, very fun episode, you know, talked about uh, a few good things. Um, obviously with the big trade that happened, we got the Super Bowl coming up. Um and then obviously breaking down one of our favorite childhood movies in the Mighty Ducks, which I'm probably going to go and watch after we, uh, after we sign off here, but, <laughs> um, you know, the final thought I I've got, you know, just for today is, you know, anybody who's looking at doing something that they're passionate about for their career or, you know, just in general, you can't get discouraged the first time that it doesn't work out for you. So many success stories are are taught and so many success stories are told, you know, with, you know, we failed five times and the sixth time was that time that it worked. And if it's something that you're passionate about, you got to be, you know, you, you got to make sure that you're putting yourself in that position to, you know, push through the, the tough times and get through that. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're having a tough go, but you're really trying to get involved with something that you're really passionate about and that you, you know, you'll stop at nothing to get, just keep going because you never know when it's actually going to turn out for you. And uh, again, you've got resources out there to help and, and get you through. So um, all that being said, guys, any last, uh, any last words? What was that wager thing you were supposed to do? <laughs> I'm glad you asked Kevin. So seeing as how we've kind of gotten away from the weird weekly wager. So <clears throat> Kevin was supposed to wear some fun, ridiculous costume or mask of some kind. Welched on our bet. And you welched on the bet, even after you said multiple times that you are not one to welch on bets. And I have audio. Don't welch on bets. I'm good for it. You know I'm good for it. Just kick the juice and I'll send you the vig later. Okay. So here's what we'll do, Kevin. We can go double or nothing. Okay. For the Super Bowl. Okay, let's do this. All right. Lobster dinner. Here we go. Lobster dinner. So first, what are the terms? What are the terms? Wait, okay. All right. I still want to hear you talking to Bridgerton accent to your wife until she hits you. Okay. But Um, there's got to be a second element thrown onto that. Okay, 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 okay. You have to do... Um, the intro segment of the next podcast with the Bridgerton accent the entire time. Okay. So for you, um, you will you know have to wear something ridiculous, and we'll take a screenshot of what you're dressed like next week, and we'll post it on our uh, on our social media page to show everybody your your ridiculous costume. Okay. And on top of that, I want to hear you do your segment of grinding beans while you are actually grinding beans i I want you to get a mortar and pestle and i want you to get some coffee beans and i want you to grind your own beans as you are doing the (laughs) segment 
dressed up you in a sick funny son costume. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could have you could have just done the bet last week and gotten over with, but now we're going double or nothing. So here know, are the, double or nothing. So here are the terms. Are, do you agree to the to the actual terms of the bet? I do. Okay, Jethro, you were a witness to this. I am. All right. So here is what the bet is going to be. You picked Tampa Bay. I, I picked Kansas City. You did. Okay. But that's not going to be the bet. Okay. What color is the Gatorade going to be that is poured on the coach? You get... Everyone knows the answer. Okay. So here's the thing. If you don't pick the actual color, we will go by the colors of the rainbow. Whatever color is beside it, that is what will be the closest thing. Okay. Well, since I'm a gentleman, ladies first. What's your color? I'm going to go with orange. Damn it. Okay, I'm going with yellow. Oh, so we're going side by side. Bold, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, your final, with it. Final answer? Final answer. All right, so orange and yellow. Now, if it's clear, we're both winners. If it's water? Yeah. <laughs> Get that, that clear Gatorade? Yeah. <laughs> what if during COVID, it's nothing? Oh, yeah. Huh. Let me push to next week and go triple or nothing. Because did you see? Because did you see? Because did you see the uh, during the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl? They just filled one of the tubs with a bunch of mini Reese's peanut butter cups and then threw it on the coach. You know? Do you know how Reese peanut butter cups were founded and invented? I saw a Family Guy episode about that. Tell the story. That's true story. (laughs) Officer Reese's. It is a true story. <laughs> you got chocolate on my peanut butter. <laughs> you got peanut butter on my chocolate. And anyway, Jet, what I'll say to that is do you know who the tight ends are for each team? For each team? For each in team the in the Super Bowl. Beauties. No, no, in the Super Bowl. And do you think that they will not be the ones to grab something and dump it on their coach? Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> you are correct. So, if it if there's no Gatorade for whatever reason, we will push the bet to next week and go triple or nothing. All right, unprecedented. But the terms of the bet have been agreed to. The wager's been agreed to. All that being said, guys, I think we can call it a night. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Front Office Podcast. Um, again. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, we will chat with everybody next week. Bye-bye. Bye.